0: So I saw Hispanic people being vice presidents, being presidents of companies, just really killing it out there. So I was like, okay, before that, I already thought I could be really successful, but if if they're doing it also looking like me, I can make it up there. So that was kind of my mentality with that. I'm like, I know it's gonna be hard. It's gonna, I'm gonna have to be patient, but I can make it and hopefully I will someday.
1: This is Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where I help tech professionals in their 20s and 30s balance a great life today without sacrificing their future possibilities. I'm your host, Lucas Caceres, Certified Financial Planner and Founder of Level Up Financial Planning, where I help educate, coach, and build strategies with my clients to help them take their financial confidence to the next level. Here's an important compliance disclosure. This podcast is for informational purposes only and are not to be considered recommendations. It is recommended you consult your trusted financial professional before implementing any information obtained from the Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. Hello, welcome to Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. I'm super excited. I have Arnold Morales with me today, and he's got an amazing background. He's the son of two immigrants from Honduras, and he started out his career working in a warehouse. And it wasn't too long before he realized he needed to get some additional education, and he just got inspired. He found mechanical engineering by just a way of an aptitude test. He started the first engineering society at the community college and now he carries a master's degree. He went to lots of huge accomplishments. I'm looking forward to sharing his message with you because I think representation is such a huge piece of the equation when it comes to diversity and inclusion in tech. And so I'm excited to share this with you. He's got lots of great information and I think the, the most impactful and the, and the craziest thing that kind of made him stand out on my radar when I found him on LinkedIn was he was actually declined or rejected five times from the same company he was trying to apply for. Just to do a quick little spoiler, he did actually get in on the sixth attempt. So I I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for coming on the show today, Arnold. I'm super excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to everyone. So I know... You popped up on my radar, I'd had to say probably about a month ago, and I think that's probably when you started popping up on a lot of people's radars, possibly. I know you, you went viral with a LinkedIn post, and you have an amazing background. So I know from the beginning of that, just kind of looking at your background, looking at you, you kind of look like me, and we're, we're minorities, right? So things are stacked up against you early on. Can you share with me kind of what that origin story is? And ultimately, kind of where you're at today in your career?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I'm the son of two immigrants, two Honduras immigrants. I'm from Central America. Um, they came over. They had me out in Miami. I was born in Miami. And it was really interesting because we were first immigrated. and We kind of, we went back to Honduras. So my parents, okay. they had an export company to Honduras at the time. So my mom was a house cleaner initially. My dad was a painter, an um, industrial painter. So he would come home. I would go with my mom to clean houses and appointments. I would just sit there and eat people's snacks and look at the <laughs> worst, worst wall those books and good. just kind of like watch TV on their big screen TVs. And then my mom would be like, Arno, it's time to go to the next house. And then we would get home. My mom would cook food for my dad that was coming all tired from commercial. Um, then they ended up opening a business to send um, products to Honduras from the U.S. So, so they, they did pretty good for, for, for a while, um, but they ended up being in Honduras most of the time. So they decided okay we're we're spending all our time in Honduras so we should have our kids with us. So we we flew to Honduras. We we I lived there for middle school and high school. So most like pretty much grew up in Honduras. Then for college they they divorced so they it, it was a big mess but in conclusion I I came back to the US in college. I didn't have a high school transcript so I had to either start high school from zero or get a GED. So I was yeah, yeah. like I'm 17 years old. I'm not going to start high school from zero so I got a GED. After that i moved to indiana and i was working at a warehouse i was working at a warehouse almost minimum wage i think it was like ten dollars an hour and i was working like 60 hours a week to even make something on the paycheck i was like 18 just bought like my parents gave me 500 dollars to give down for a down payment for a car like i was really struggling and i was hating my job yeah, and then i was okay. like okay what is the difference between me and my supervisors and my supervisors they had an associate's degree that was it and i was like okay i'm gonna go get an associate's degree and so I went, so, and then I talked to one of my cousins about it too, that lived in, in, in Indiana and they were like, yeah, you should go look at this community college. So I went to the community college. I signed up. I had no idea how I was going to pay for school. I had no idea what I was doing. First generation, my parents never went to college. None of my yeah. brothers graduated from college. I'm the first one in all my family, like my, both my last names, like all my cousins and everything that has a master's degree. So like, none of them are like highly educated people. Everybody's more like entrepreneur style in my family. So I went to, I went to this college, I had no idea what I was doing. And I did this aptitude test. And it said, Okay, you seem like you would be a good fit for math and science. And then I was like, Okay, what does that mean? So they're like, you should be an engineer. And I was like, sounds good. I'll be an engineer. (laughs) And then they're like, what type of engineering? And I was like, I'm not sure. And then they said, Okay, what type of things do you like? And that I, I love cars. I love modified cars. I, I used yeah. to ride dirt bikes. So I was like, I like cars, motorcycles, those are the right type of things I like. They're like, okay, you should look into mechanical engineering. And I was like, all right, sign me up for that. So I went home that night and I went to Google and YouTube. What is an engineer? I, I didn't even know what an engineer was. <laughs> yeah. and I was. And I was signed up for engineering school. So it was interesting. But to make the story short, I kind of did really well in the community college. I started the first engineering society. I got invited to sit behind President Obama on a speech on free community college. I got invited to sit in panels with Mike Pence, the current vice president, to talk about transfer students. I did really good in community college and I got pretty much a full ride scholarship to go to Purdue University. Initially, I went to the to the Indianapolis campus, which is like more non-target school. It's like a smaller campus. Okay. So I got my bachelor's from there. When I was doing that, before my bachelor's, actually, I... I received an internship from Aerodyne Engineering, from Northrop Grumman. Northrop Grumman is one of the biggest defense contractors. So no one from my school had gone to a big company like Northrop Grumman from my bachelor's degree. So I was like moving the way for like, and it wasn't just me. It was me and my group of friends from the community college. It was us, like just making organization making all these things happen and just getting into big companies we all work at big companies now so, so it's really exciting to feel like the first generation of these community college students just like killed it that's crazy um, yeah, yeah it well, is
1: and i think community college right people people sometimes don't necessarily give community college like the proper amount of respect because it it's it can start you in an awesome direction and even just a lot of the things that you ended up achieving early on that actually came while you were in community college. Yes. I, was, I was surprised by that. Cause I, I know a couple of your accolades, I know uh, through your podcast that you have and through what you've been sharing online, I just would have assumed that some of the stuff came like when you got your masters, like that's when you were able to, to visit the president and vice president, all this yeah. stuff. But uh, no, that was all from your community yeah. college setting you up. But yeah, you took the initiative to create that program what what was it that gave you that that idea to do that
0: the, we had so we had two classes we had this one class in the morning this one class in the afternoon and we had nothing to do in the meantime so we we're like okay what are we going to do and I was like we have to get some experience for engineering because everybody's saying you need internships and stuff like that yep. so i was like okay let's go let's go join a club a student club but remember this is a community college so there's not really that many clubs and then like our engineering program was like brand new like it was a brand new engineering program so there was no student organization related to engineering there was Phi theta kappa and things like that but i was like okay we want engineering related so one of my friends said let's start one and then i was like let's do it and then one of the other guys was like yeah sure let's go start one and then i'm like no really let's go start one and yeah. the other one's like i'm sa- i'm talking seriously let's do it so we started it we just started the cafeteria and we said all right i'm the president you're the vice president you're the secretary let's go start an organization so we started and it grew to be the biggest one on campus. I, I received a whole bunch of awards for it. We went from like zero to 220 members and had had all type of presentation, all type of engineers come in and present.
1: That's amazing. Just, It's crazy to think like there's just so many people you just had an impact on that you'll probably never meet necessarily directly, but just you creating that organization and it's going to live on well beyond your years of that initial creation. So that's pretty cool that at that young age you've already made like such a huge impact on people and just that organization like community college is forever changed and anyone that's yeah. going to be going kind of through that program so i oh, what was kind of the next thing how how did you go from bachelor's to master's what was that decision to make that step
0: yeah so that was interesting i had a full-time offer to go work at Northrop grumman and at that time my wife was still in school so I was like, uh, we didn't want to be separate because we had a long distance relationship for a long time. Yeah. So we're like high school sweethearts. So it's, it's awesome, interesting. Man. Yeah, but we're like, okay, we're not going to be separate ever again. That That's ridiculous. <laughs> um. So what am I going to do? I'm like, I'm not going to just sit around like, and I don't want to go work at a company and then leave because I, I didn't want to stay in Indiana. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so it was a, hey, there's this five-year kind of one year extra add-on if you take all your senior classes to be graduate courses and you add on one year extra you can do your master's so i was like okay i'm gonna do that so i did that and when i was kind of i went back to career first that year and then got an offer from boeing aerospace company in seattle and then like not just a normal offer i got like this um prestigious program that they have they call that you pretty much get kind of to pick where to go and and the reason why I like the story is because that's that's the viral post. Um, the viral post was about me being rejected about from Boeing five times before they gave me an offer. So I went to line to the career fair in line and stand there for hours because those those lines are ridiculous. Six different times. Oops. Out of all those six times, I got three interviews. Out of those three interviews, the last one was the one that I got an offer. So out of six times, I only got one offer. But you only need one. So
1: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. One. Just imagine how many people don't don't even attempt it more than once that's that's crazy what those first few times like what made you keep going back like what made you think that obviously i know you were doing a bunch of stuff i know you're really passionate about kind of building up your career and building up your education and influence and like what kept you keep going to to apply for Boeing? And wait in those lines, too. That sounds ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. I think a lot has to do with kind of the feedback Boeing gave me. So, like, the first time I went, I got an interview. So, that was already a big deal. Like, just to get an interview for an internship at the Boeing company. Like, if you've ever been in a career firm and you've seen, like, the, the the line for the Boeing company, is like, ridiculous. Like, 200 student line. So, just them giving me an interview told me, like, hey, you're good enough. It doesn't matter you're from a community college. It doesn't matter that you're you're from a low-income, first-generation Hispanic student. That None of that matters. They're they're willing to give you an inter- internship. And then a lot of people told me like, hey, this is a very prestigious program. So if you don't get in through this program, it doesn't matter. You can still get into the Boeing company. So then I went the second time. The second time I didn't get an interview. And then I went to a conference the third time. So I did get an interview that one. So I was like, okay, they're giving me interviews. I'm just like missing the part where they gave me the offer. I'm just like, I'm yeah. so close, but not there yet. So then, after that, like there was two more times that I didn 't get an interview at all those other two times, like the fourth and fifth time, so I was yeah. like that 's weird, but I was like, whatever, I already have a, a full time offer anyways, But then the last time I, I, I kind of knocked it out of the part in the interview, I remember leaving that room and telling my little sister went with me, and I remember telling her like if they don 't hire me it 's because i 'm not bowing material like I just did <laughs> I just spoke my heart out at this interview and like, yes. I just I feel like I, I answered it. because at that time, I was like a college ambassador, I was helping other students with interviews, I had received offers from pretty much every company in Indianapolis that I wanted to work for. I had offers from Rolls-Royce, Cummins, Allison Transmission, Raytheon, and all these like big companies that had offers yeah. or interviews with them. I flew around the country for like interviews all the time. So I was like, crazy. they don't want me if I don't get in this time.
1: <laughs> Man, yeah, that's nuts. And that's, it's so cool that you've had all those different opportunities kind of expose you to. And uh, obviously it took work. It took you actually taking the time to put yourself in position for all of that. I know after I listened to the first few uh, podcast episodes of yours called, it's called non-traditional, right? Your podcast? Yep.
0: Non-traditional college success. Someone took non-traditional. So, oh, okay. No, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you corrected me there But that. That's what stands out in my mind because yeah, that's the thing I kind of relate to the most there. But I know one of the things that you highlighted was how frustrating it was for you kind of early on or, and it probably even today, where you kind of just go and kind of share your background a little bit, or maybe someone just looks at you and feels like, you know what, this guy's from Honduras or he's Hispanic. Um, he probably doesn't know necessarily everything uh, that we do or, or something like that and kind of talks down or kind of belittles you a little bit. And then you also mentioned too, that even even sometimes with some of your accomplishments are like, oh, it's because you're a Hispanic and yeah. they had to let that kind of diversity, uh, higher diversity kind of, Uh, opportunity kind of come around like how how tough was that for you when you run into those situations and how have you chosen a deal about it
0: yeah so that's really interesting because i feel very comfortable talking about my story and my background and kind of kind of pushing all the non-traditional people to do really successful when it's a big audience or when it's a podcast but like one, I actually have a post, I have a draft post about this for my LinkedIn. Like when it's one-on-one or when it's like small groups, I actually feel a little intimidated to talk about that. So I I come across like this very confident person that has never struggled with life. I'm just very, I'm, my my wife calls it cocky, but I'm like, I feel like I am a very confident person and I don't really talk about my struggles like one-on-ones. So I, I have felt that when I do mention like, because then people respect me that way, they're, they're like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, I got, I'm a master's from Purdue university. that's all. I'm like, I don't mention, okay, I went to a community college. I don't mention that I'm a brand new employee. And yeah. I just let my work um, show, like I, I ask questions. I'm not shy. I speak up at meetings. So those are the things that they start respecting me. But then I have had times where I, where I mention things like, Oh, I I'm, I'm from Honduras. And then people are like, from honduras like the the caravans and all that i'm like i'm like yeah <laughs> like, <they're laughs> from Honduras. and then they're like how is it bad over there and then and then they start like i see their faces puzzled it's like how does someone from honduras from immigrant caravans like works at, with us here and it's like hey is it really good but with that there is a lot of other minorities out there there is a lot of other people that have struggled like yeah. but just people don't share their stories And that's kind of like the whole purpose of my podcast, like to share those stories, all those underdogs that became winners. Like, let's start sharing these stories so we can normalize the struggle and not just, oh, I'm from this fancy family that has had three Boeing engineers in their generations and now I'm the fourth one. Yeah, There is people like that. I'm like, that's impressive. I I, I want that for my daughter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hitting on those people because that's what I want for my daughter. But like, you don't have to be that person to get into the big things.
1: Yeah, well, and it's all about representation, right? Because like- like when you went through that assessment and aptitude, they're like, oh yeah, engineer," And you're like, what is that? Like you had no clue, but yeah, that's how, how different is that for someone else? Or it's like, oh yeah, my, my parents, grandparents, like et cetera, et cetera, are all like this lineage of whatever. And yeah. we're just like trying to figure it out. It, it's, it's not necessarily all bad. Cause it sounds like your family and this is how I kind of relate to my situation as well. Like. I didn't have representation or people that were business owners necessarily in my life. You actually did. Yeah, but yeah. one thing I did have was just like super hard working parents and and even other people that did look like me mostly kind of all worked worked hard. And so that that's something I definitely can lean my head on as far as representation, like just hard work, but not necessarily in some of these prestigious roles, not necessarily yeah. creating businesses on my end for representation for you, like what, what have you used as your kind of guide? It it sounded like early on, it was when you're working in the factory, it was kind of the managers like, yep, they went to community college. Who did you look to next? Was it just kind of, then you started going to conferences and then looking at to people or what, what's been directing you on your career path after that initial kind of push in?
0: Yeah, I I think it's a combination of just really really wanting to be successful like i've since i was like a teenager i don't know why i had this ridiculous obsession with i really want to be successful and like i really want to work really hard i just didn't know for what and then like i started engineering i really enjoyed it so i'm like okay i want to be really successful in engineering and i've always been like that i have always like I, i don't want to be average average is not acceptable for me and i tell this to my managers like when we have pms i'm like okay like performance reviews and things like that i'm like okay My expectation is that we're both going to work for me not to be average. So how can we make that happen? So I I was like, okay, I don't want to be average. i would doing it really good. So I started the engineering society and we started to have engineers come in and give us presentations. So I started to look up, up to them and have them as mentors. And that's like the number one thing that will really change your your whole career is like having mentors, having people that have gone through it already, that especially if you can find them that look like you and that have gone through your struggles. That is perfect. So I actually received a, at a conference. So I went to a conference. I don't even remember how I found out about these conferences. I was just Googling like Hispanic <laughs> conferences for engineers and stuff like that. And then I figured out because like I'm from this non-target school that no one really goes to conferences. So I went to this conference and I, they had a network, uh, mentoring program. So I, had a, I got a mentor and the mentor was at the Boeing company. That has just helped me incredible amounts. And like not just him, but so I started to reach out to other mentors and other mentors. And then like at the conference, I went to Hispanic engineering conferences. So I saw Hispanic people being vice presidents, being presidents of companies, just really killing it out there. So I was like, okay. Before that, I already thought I could be really successful. But if if they're doing it, also looking like me, I can make it up there. So that was kind of my mentality with that. I'm like, I know it's going to be hard. It's going to I'm going to have to be patient, but I can make it. And hopefully I will someday.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. Everything you've accomplished at this point, because I I know you're not an old man at this point. So yeah, there's still so much ahead of you, but there's already so much that you've done. And and like I mentioned, there's things that are impacting other people too, like outside of even just your family and, and your daughter. It, you're not just driven by your career though. And so that's one of the, the cool things. One of the things that once we connected on LinkedIn, that made me want to reach out to you is you actually want to help others up behind you. And so why is it important for you to kind of show how much fun that you're having and in all of your success and creating that non-traditional podcast for people to kind of highlight and kind of connect with other people understanding that there are ways to to be successful
0: yeah so that's a that's an interesting question i used to like since i was in community college i was doing a lot of motivational speaking anytime a, a group of hispanic students came over anytime a group of students interested in engineering any presentations for engineering all the teachers already had their Hey, go ask Arnold if he wants to volunteer to be on the panel. Go ask <laughs> Arnold if he wants to be a presenter. Go ask Arnold if he wants to do this, like like for the Obama thing. Go ask Arnold if he wants to represent the school. So like, I already had the reputation of being the Hispanic successful student at my college and the engineering successful student at my college. Yep. So like, I had both. So anytime anything Hispanic related or anything engineering related, I was the first one they asked if I wanted to volunteer for stuff. So I really, really enjoyed talking to students and to youth and to people at risk about engineering and about how my life changed. So then I I kept on doing that. I went to the the four-year school. I kept on talking to people. I kept on getting involved, giving advice to any student I could. Then I moved to Seattle for my first full-time position. And so I was very involved with nonprofits also in Indianapolis. I was involved with pretty much all the Hispanic nonprofits helping any STEM student that wanted help. I received awards from from some of them too because of that help. But for me, it wasn't about like the awards. For me, it was like, I don't know. I feel like this pleasure when I help others and like, it feels really good inside when you volunteer to help other people. And then you also like the selfish side, you also get to meet all these other great people that are volunteering also. Like all these people, they're volunteering, they're good people. So like if you need help, they'll help you. And then a lot of them are very successful people. So I got to network with presidents of banks and stuff like that. When I was a 21 year old that had never met important people, like social aspect important Um, and now networking with all these great people so I I think like that really motivated me to help people so then I came to Seattle the first year I kind of focused on I so when I was in college I always had something going on I was always either working full-time going to college full-time doing stuff on the side like we were nonstop workaholics (laughs) outside of college and we were like me and my wife we were both just going at it but then we came to Seattle and I was like, okay, it's a brand new city. I have a good job, good paying job. Why don't we take it down a notch? And why don't we just enjoy the city and get to have fun after yep. work? So I did that for pretty much a year after that. I kind of got bored. <laughs> you deserve it,
1: man.
0: Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like okay, um, this is cool. I like it. It's, it's a nice life to have my, because my, I work from 7 to 3.30. So 7 to 3.30 and then enjoy the rest of the day. But then then COVID hit, that was a big one, COVID hit. And I I couldn't go out anymore, so I was like, okay. And then I started to have like this existential crisis that I'm not helping the world anymore. So then I was like, okay, how can I help the world in this COVID situation? So I just started volunteering for like Zoom presentations and giving presentations to kids and, and schools. And I actually have my first Zoom presentation for like a whole high school. I'm gonna be presenting for like a whole high school. So I was, I'm not nervous, but I'm kind of excited about that. I think that's next week. And then I was like, okay, in the past i did all this speaking but i never was able to gather a following okay so people can know things that i'm doing like if i ever write a book about kind of how to be successful in in community college no one's gonna know because no one follows me because i've never kept tabs with those people i've just gone to conferences i spoke and i never had like a way for them to follow me at all so then i was like okay i need to start doing that with like linkedin yeah so that's why i started doing like linkedin content and then i was like okay I tried to do a blog a long time ago, but I, I'm just not perfect. I'm not the best writer out there. I'm an engineer, not writer. Yep, um, yep. And video is just way too time-consuming, like YouTube. I, my dream is to do YouTube videos, but it's like way too hard and time-consuming. So I'm like, I'll do a podcast. <laughs> or Actually, yeah. someone told me too, like, you should do a podcast. So I was like, that is a great idea. So that's how I started a podcast three months ago.
1: That's awesome, man. As I've mentioned, I, and I know you're probably a, a lot more humble about this than I am, but you're, you're pretty accomplished at this point And yeah, I can definitely see you continuing to grow. You'll, you'll probably be a vice president sooner than you expect because that's for for people that are on paths kind of such as your own, willing to to do the work, willing to to network and help other people, which is makes you stand out, right? Like you mentioned, even all the way back to community college, you're just come top of mind because you're always quick to help others, and so it, it's it you're always going to be on top of the mind of people when you kind of think into your career, like. 10 years from now, where where do you kind of see yourself and and kind of where do you hope to be?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So so it's interesting because five years ago, uh, I was a student at a conference and had no idea. And I remember looking at these recruiters for the Boeing company and just looking at them and being like, wow, I wish someday I could come into a conference, give offers to students and like represent the company and just do all these cool events. And Last year, four years after that, w- when I thought I got to go to universities and recruit students, and this year I get to go to a conference. It's virtual, so it sucks, but like I, I made those goals. Like I- I've been becoming those people that I aspired to be. So it was like it's very um, humbling for me to imagine like five years ago I was a student dreaming to be the person that I am now. So, so I-, I think that, that that's really exciting. So, the- what I think about in 10 years is I want to be a senior manager at the Boeing company in 10 years. And a lot of times, like at these big companies, by like around eight years, you can get into management, yeah. but not a senior manager. That's more like into the fifteen year. But sure. I want to make, I want to become a senior manager in the first ten years. So that's kind of my goal, and trying to push that to happen. And on the side, I want my content creation to grow. So either, either I a senior manager in ten years, or I'm doing content creation full time.
1: Oh yeah, full time. That'd be yeah, awesome. One, I of, one
0: of the one of the two. <laughs>
1: And yeah, uh, probably full-time would be hard to do both simultaneously, right? Oh like yeah, yeah. Right now with COVID, it, it's a little bit easier, but you have a family, so yeah. uh, it gets to be tricky. Content creation's fun though, I can definitely attest to that. And yeah, it's it's something that even though I don't necessarily have all the time in the world too, i I manage to make yeah. time for it because it is so fun, so.
0: And that's the big thing is like, I, I enjoy doing this. So I was like, if I could do this for a full-time career, this would be awesome. So perfect. So it,
1: it's crazy how stuff like that happens, right? You just kind of have a vision about what you want your future to be. And and sometimes you don't even necessarily set timelines on it. And sometimes you do, but usually when you have that getting, getting stuff done and being helpful to others, you tend to float towards that destination, that goal and achieving it a lot sooner than you expect. Yeah. Is there actually a process that you have that you set up or is it just like just constantly working and saying, okay, I look up, I see where I want to be. And now I'm just going to start putting my head down and working until I get moving to that point.
0: No. So I structure everything. There's people that tell you like, oh, just put your head down do the hard work. No, I like structure my life where it's like, this is what I want to do in two years. This is what I want to do in one year. This is what I, this are these are the programs I want to get into the company. These are the leadership things that I want to do. So I I make sure like I have a five-year plan where it's like detailed out what I want to do. And I feel like if you don't have a plan, the years, the months pass by and you don't accomplish those things because you're not thinking about them constantly. And that happens with me at work where it's like, it can be three months and I say, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And if I don't have like all my plans and like as a priority, it won't happen because there's just so many day to day things that you have to do. So I have this five year detailed out plan. It does change a lot, though. I guess it's it's not it's not just like this is my plan and it goes that way no like every year my five-year plan like totally switches around and it's like (laughs) okay that didn't happen or like this went bad so but like how do I keep on and then that five-year actually did a post about this too so that's funny um this five-year plan becomes more of a compass so for me it ends up being like okay it's okay that I'm not on the path but as long as I'm in the correct direction I'm good with it so that's and I, and I that's kind of what I do and I and I don't do that just for my career I also do that for my my, my family like when am I going to have the second kid make sure like health one of the priorities that this year for me is health like because what, that wasn't a priority when I was in college so that that suffered too much so like okay I want to be healthier man I want to be more now I have a kid so I have a daughter so I want to have more time with my daughter so like this, my plan keeps on switching but it always has like the general compass areas
1: yeah. So half of this podcast when I'm not interviewing people is financial planning. I, I definitely agree. Having no a plan and, and why it's called financial planning is because it is more of a compass. Your your plan's supposed to change. That's how life is fun. If it was just always a, a strict plan and you just knock things out and nothing ever changed, life honestly could get pretty boring. So I actually love that, that aspect of, yep, we're, we're making progress. And I've kind of seen the same thing, whether it's career-wise or your finances is, if you're making progress, you're making progress. It, it doesn't matter if that plan changes. If all of a sudden, like, oh, if you saved a whole bunch of money for your daughter's college and then all of a sudden she gets a whole bunch of uh, scholarships and things like that, well, you're still ahead of the game. Yeah. Like, now you don't need to use those funds. You get to move them somewhere else and kind of. Yeah, now,
0: now I'll buy a Corvette.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> don't do that.
1: <laughs> or, or buy pieces of it, right? You could probably build one or, or learn how to, to build one with all of your skills and, and everything. But yeah, I think. That, that's awesome, and I think that's helpful to people because, again, same. I kind of see the same thing in my personal life and kind of financial life and the clients I'm helping is if you don't have that structure and it's kind of just all up here and you don't have it out more of a guide, it's just like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to do these things. And there's too many competing priorities, especially if there's a lot of things on your list, if you're very yep. aggressive with the things you want to accomplish and they're all just kind of in your head floating around there's not really any accountability as to whether or not you're making progress towards that. Like you said, three months, six months, three years can pass and you'd be like, Oh yeah, well I made progress on this one thing, but it's probably not the same amount of progress as if you would have written it down and had the focus for what's in front of you, what's exciting you right now and kind of yeah. to drive you towards those goals. So that's awesome. So as we're kind of running up to the the end of the episode here, I have a few kind of, tech bootcamp listeners uh, probably a decent amount of minority uh, listeners as well so like what would be one piece of advice that you'd share with them that you think would be just a, an awesome takeaway something that you've learned so far in your career
0: thanks for asking that because like literally right now when you were talking i was, I thought about something and i was like "Ooh, i really want to give this piece of advice because i feel like this would be beneficial for like everything we've said is keep improving keep constantly improving little by little like keep on reading books and that like that are gonna make you better watch podcasts watch youtube videos but do stuff that's gonna improve you and don't just do stuff just to like check boxes and things like that. do stuff that you enjoy so like read books that are are interesting to you that that make you better so that's what I would say to the minority students out there and everything like just keep improving because like little improvements every day really add up quick and then you become kind of very very knowledgeable person that you dream to be sometimes and then there's no obstacle for you not to reach your goals just because you're a minority just because you're low income just because like you you can go out there and see like so many self-made people out that there's no excuse for you not to do great stuff my daughter she she was born with hearing loss and with a lot of health conditions and i'm like I you ha- sh- she still doesn't have an excuse of her not being successful and I'll motivate her to go forward. So unless you have like something really, really, really bad going on, you yeah. shouldn't have an excuse of why don't you don't become the dream person you want to be.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Super powerful. I, I agree. There's situations that just suck sometimes, but there's plenty of people that have had in a, many ways like worse, worse things in different ways. Yeah. And it, it just kind of comes down to is Planning right, mapping out like how, where do you want to go? And once you do that, that's half the battle because then you just kind of fill in the blank. You have where you're at today. Be realistic with where you're at, where your skills are, where you want to go. And then it's just a matter of filling it in. And if if that where you want to go is important enough, if it's fun enough, you're gonna have fun along the way, kind of yep. leveling up and and kind of learning and kind of pushing that self and and knowing that you don't have to necessarily do that overnight. It's, you can enjoy that process a little bit more if you kind of give yourself the time to find those things that you enjoy to to absorb that and actually make it a part of your normal everyday life. And yeah, I, I think that's yeah. super, super important. Cause I think a lot of people just accept situations or they make up things or allow certain excuses to just kind of be that wall and be like, Oh, well, I, I guess that's the end of it. I'll just stay where I'm at. And mm-hmm. And not really progress and that that's that's fake right all these walls are imaginary and we're we're the ones that create them most of the times for ourselves every every now yeah. and then the outside world will try to put put those things on us but in reality we're the ones accepting them to actually be walls and so uh, that's super important that that leads me to just one more question i want to know like you mentioned it, it's easy to talk about the fun stuff tell me like one negative thing that was like oh man this this stunk and then like how you went about kind of recovering from that
0: yeah i think so there, there's a lot of times where things really suck and <laughs> and, and, and like the the things that happened to me mostly like i guess the, the more professional ones not the prof- the personal ones but the ones that really sucked is like doing really bad in a school in a class or and then at work like having this position that you don't enjoy like, you just don't like this work position. So the best thing you can do in both those situations is work really hard to get through it quick and <laughs> move on to the next thing. Like, yep. that, that's been my thing. Like, okay, I'm not enjoying this. I'm going to do good because I still need to do good. So I'm not considered a low, a low performer because the reputation is very important. So I'm going to do good, but I'm going to try to get as fast as I can out of this. So I'm just going to do the, the as much as I need to so I can switch to the next thing. And then there was something else that we both talked about that I want to emphasize a little bit more on is we talked about the goalposts, kind of like where you're at and where you want to be. Make sure that where you want to be is something that you're doing because you that's something that you enjoy to do. And you mentioned it, but we didn't put an emphasis on it. Make sure that we're, you're doing things that are fun for you and that are enjoyable. That way it's not so tedious and you're actually enjoying the process.
1: Yeah, it, it makes a difference. And, oh, yeah, and, I know like mine is kind of like a tech techie based podcast and there's a lot of people that get into tech for the money, but then they don't like the work and like to the point where it's detrimental to your life. There's so many different roles within tech. You don't have to be an engineer. You could be a salesperson and and make just as much, sometimes even more money. Don't, don't let certain things be the goalposts. Like you mentioned, if it's not actually something that's enticing to you, find the things that do overlap and then start to to maneuver. You mentioned it a couple of times uh, throughout the podcast, and I think it's worth highlighting. Reputation is everything. It is crucial. Like, If if you lose your job because of COVID, because of anything, because of an economic depression, you want people that want to stand up for you. You want people pounding the table Mm -hmm. like, hey, this person should be here. And the only thing that's going to do that is if you have a good reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing like having a bad reputation to be like, all right, I lost, lost my job. You announced it on LinkedIn and it just crickets, right? <laughs>
0: like, yeah, nobody knows you. <laughs> yeah, a no problem. Like, reputation is also the, the part of making sure that people know you. So yeah. it, it is sometimes the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So make sure people know you and know you by good things, not bad things. <laughs> Cause that's another whole yeah. nother level.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and one thing somewhat related that I've kind of seen in, And it's important, I've heard it mentioned a few times just by other people. Like you want to start building your network before you need it. And so, and same thing kind of with your audience that you want to build, like it's gonna be so much easier for you to make an impact on other people's lives now that you've been actively promoting things on LinkedIn, now that you're actively creating content. Because what if there was a huge message that you needed to share like two years or three years from now and you haven't you hadn't done anything? No one, no one knew enough about you to actually expand that that footprint. But man, we we covered a lot of ground today. I'm gonna to have you back in the future. I know it just kind of you're you're moving so quickly with everything that you're doing Thank and you. all the impacts you're making. So, yeah, thanks thanks for coming on the show. And any last bits you want to add as far as like where people could find you, your podcast, where where they could find your podcast at?
0: Yeah, definitely. So the the best way to find me is on LinkedIn, Arnold Morales um I, I imagine you'll have a, a link to in the description to, to my linkedin that'll easy way to you'll find me but also like my podcast on all the major platforms so it's non-traditional college success three words pretty long but someone took non-traditional <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope nope and and it makes sense it's still from from all the episodes i've listened to you and and it, it's important right because college for a lot of people is going to be that first step Um, and, and it was definitely the first step for you, right? You didn't even know what the heck an engineer was like, it was your first step into the world of possibilities basically. And it's not going to be a good fit for everyone, but for minorities, if that could just be what they need just to open up their eyes to to what's out there. And, and even if it's just the associates, my, my associates took me a long way. I ended up having to get my bachelor's in order to get to where I wanted to go. But I wouldn't have even known where I wanted to go if I didn't first take that associate stuff. So I think it's it's super important to to have your podcast and share that knowledge because yeah, there's a lot of people that don't have these representation. They don't they don't know. And with the internet, with all the tools, technology that we have, again, there's no excuse now not to be the the people we want to be, not not be proud of the, the life that we're creating for ourselves and our families.
0: For sure. I definitely enjoyed talking to you. We had some great conversation. We could go for hours talking about different <laughs> oh, topics. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. You can find show notes by visiting levelupfinancialplanning.com and finding the podcast page. You'll also be able to find strategy guides, videos, and cheat sheets to help you take your financial confidence to the next level. If you feel this episode has added a ton of value for you, please rate and share this with friends and colleagues. Catch you next time on Techie Personal Finance.